0: Well, hello everybody and welcome back to GUcast. Nice to be back, Renu.
1: Yeah, do you remember the studio, Declan? I, f- I feel like you've been travelling for ages. I have been
0: travelling for a few weeks, actually. And actually, we I did record a podcast while I was away. I just yeah. haven't edited it down yet, so it might fall out of order. But uh, I visited the Irish Society of Urology meeting back in my homeland a few yeah, weeks ago and, yeah. um, and made a bit of a podcast about Irish urology. It was a bit yeah, of fun.
1: Yeah, I remember some of the photos. I think there was a pint of Guinness in every one of them. <laughs> Did they all make it out, those photos? <laughs> it was one photo, <laughs>
2: five angles. One, one yeah, pint. right, okay.
0: <laughs> but you know, when at an Irish urology meeting, have a pint of Guinness, that's, that was the theme. That uh, but that you. one well, is, is coming. So, yes, uh, uh, that will drop because we have to edit them. It's a bit more laborious editing than those compared to these in the studio one. So, forgive me, yeah. but it will come in a couple, in, in, maybe next week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back in the studio to talk it's about. great um, to be back. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hot paper yeah, again. Um, I think we have a, a reputation
1: PSMA. for talking about PSMA Pet too much. And I don't think this episode's going to be any different.
0: Well, but uh, in defense, <laughs> usually it's because we're talking about prostate cancer That's and, true. you know, we talk too much about prostate cancer, as I keep saying. But at <laughs> least this time, although it's PSMA, we're not going to talk about prostate that cancer.
1: That is true. That is true. It's going to be all about renal cancer, which is the the new hype.
0: Yeah, there you go. Prostate specific membrane antigen brackets or renal cancer or other stuff. Close brackets.
2: Exactly. <laughs> So
0: we've welcomed back um, two friends of the podcast to talk about this topic. It's uh, Professor Michael Hoffman, nuclear medicine physician here at Peter Mac. Michael, welcome back.
3: Pleasure to be here again. Uh, All my nuclear medicine colleagues have been talking about you, Declan, because apparently you were cited in Barcelona a few days ago at the European Association of (laughs) Nuclear Medicine. And uh, I think it's a big conference, 7,000 people. And I heard you were the only urologist there. Is that true?
0: Wow, it was, it was fantastic to be there, I have to say, because it's a really big, good meeting, uh, um, EANM. And I'm very aware that your community often show very, very big work at the EANM. And because, you know, my view is that some of the very, very best nuke med work in the world comes out of Europe. Obviously, you expect that meeting to carry, but it was a fantastic meeting. And um, I wasn't quite the only one. Uh, there, were, there were a few other urologists there, a few other nuclear urologists, as you'd say yourself, Michael, enthusiasts. And and um, yeah, your good friend Stefano Fanti was the convener, but he put together a fantastic program, quite disruptive. He he put a few good sessions on that were not in a normal sort of plenary layout. He had this arena plan kind of in the round with a lot of debates and challenge the expert sessions. Uh, very. Very very enjoyable, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Excellent.
1: And the setup looked amazing. I mean, all the audio visuals and the way yeah, the, the no, was arena cool. was set up, it was just just incredible.
0: It's the Nuke Med people. They like things just to look good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's
1: no longer just sitting in a hall with your with your laptop out. Uh,
0: and also welcome back uh, our colleague again at Peter Mac uh, Associate Professor Shankar Siva, radiation oncologist here at Peter Mac. Uh, Shankar, welcome back.
4: Thank you so much, Declan and Renu, for having me. Good um, to see you. It's exciting to have renal cell carcinoma talk about in such close proximity. I, know. Yeah. I This is a prostate uh, podcast. Yeah.
1: Oh, you guys are just on recently <laughs> <laughs> talking about renal cell cancer. Right,
4: but it, and it went down really well. We always get good
0: feedback when we don't yeah. talk about prostate cancer. So <laughs> there's true. a lesson there. So we, that's our kind of ambition now next year is yeah. much less prostate, much more other stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, we, and we're going to welcome back another great friend of the podcast, um, someone who's, who's got a lot of interest in this area, and we're seeing some great stuff from her. So this is Dr. Raina McKay. McKay. Sorry, did I pronounce that right, Raina? Yeah, <laughs> Despite my right. practice.
2: Even though it's uh it's uh, uh, McKay is McKay. actually Scottish. It should be Mackay, but it actually evolved into McKay, right? That's, uh, That's I'm right. not Scottish at all. But uh, <laughs> from my husband's background, you know. Well,
1: excellent. Well, Rainer's is a, a GU medical oncologist from the University of California in San Diego, UCSD. Uh, so, welcome back, Raina.
0: And it was partly because her episode with Shanker a few weeks ago was so popular when we talked about uh, the role of radiation for renal cancer. Uh, We got really, really good feedback about that. So well done to both of you for um, putting on some great discussion. Um, And it's kind of a flow on from that because um, although this topic is, uh, this program's labeled PSMA, uh, we're not going to talk about renal cancer because one of the odd things, Michael, we found over the past few years here at Peter Mac as we developed a lot of experience uh, with PSMA PET-CT uh, for prostate cancer is suddenly we're beginning to see kidney cancers light up and uh, metastases light up and uh, and before we talk about chanker's paper published in european urology a couple of weeks ago do you want to just remind us a bit about that journey over the past eight or nine years and how we started looking at renal cancer using psma pet ct
3: sure so i think here we did our first psma pet ct in 2014 so eight years ago or so now obviously the europeans did it even a few years before us and it uh, and uh, this is a well-known cell surface marker on prostate cancer. And it's also expressed in neovasculature, which means it shows up in a whole range of tumours. I mean, we know that tumours need to grow, so you need lots of neovasculature. And our PSMA is expressed there as well. So we do see uptake in a whole range of tumours, but it's usually really low grade. But I don't know, somehow people stumbled across renal cell having... Really high uptake on a PSMA PET scan. Really striking. Sometimes not that different than what you see in prostate cancer. So perhaps we need to rename it and not call it PSMA. (laughs) What what would you like to call it, uh, Renu?
1: Well, it's definitely not PMSA.
3: Definitely not PMSA, (laughs) like many people say. Do do you want to rename it, Shankar? Do you have a better name?
4: PRMSA?
1: Oh,
3: Oh, PRSMA.
1: MSA. (laughs) SMA. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we can just keep adding letters. The we S is the problem. It's not specific for stuff. It's but I have the, been
3: thinking about this because if we take that approach, what do we do with things like BRCA1 and BRCA2, B-R-A-C-1? That's a risk factor for prostate cancer, but it's B's for breast. Nobody renamed it.
4: I think you think too much, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. <laughs> no,
2: that's a very interesting question. I think there was, a, there was actually a paper about renaming BRCA1 and BRCA2 syndromes to King's syndrome right based off of the person who actually identified the gene Um, and the linkage and it's actually a bit controversial because I think it sends the wrong message to the community about the importance of BRCA1 and BRCA2 for not just prostate but also pancreatic cancer so yeah absolutely I do think we need to think about nomenclature nomenclature matters (laughs) (laughs) it really we does
0: go. well maybe coming out of this we're going to write a commentary about how we should rename the PSMA here's the authorship pool Absolutely, or anyone else yeah. out there wants to join us uh, you're very yeah, welcome give to give us do some so. suggestions but yeah that's what's happened so lots of PET scans getting done for prostate um, and I remember in the pro-PSMA trial which was a prospective study one of my <coughs> patients did have a renal cancer in there as well as a prostate cancer and I, I recall that patient we ended up doing his kidney cancer first then his prostate cancer and it was really you know well described but then that was they were incidental so but flowing on from that Shanker, you know i recall with five four or five years ago at the mdt meeting at the tumor board you're saying people were saying well let's do a psma pet ct here to look for is this a renal metastasis or not in patients with known renal cancer how did we end up going from finding these things incidentally into all of a sudden we're doing
4: dedicated psma pet cts uh, here for this it's actually very interesting. It's, uh, it's longer than your memory actually serves. So uh, the initial PET scans for PSMA were in 2014-2015 for RCC. And I think that came about from a conversation um, uh, Michael and, and I had about RCC. We'd seen a paper which um, had shown some uh, increased expression, I think, from a German um, authorship group. And that took us into uh, actually trying this in the renal source space.
1: There's a couple of key differences, though, between prostate and renal cell cancer, isn't it? I mean, you touched on one, Michael, is that the PSMA is actually expressed in the neovasculature as opposed to the tumour cell itself. And secondly, um, we're not using it so much to to sort of primarily diagnosed renal cell cancer because there's physiological uptake of, of PSMA in normal kidney anyway. But it's more to look at sites of metastasis. Is that right, Shankar?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, and this might be a good segue to talk about the paper if, yeah. you, if you'd like. So um, this is a paper we just published in European Urology Open Science. Uh, Christian Udovich is the primary author who's just a newly mentored radiation oncologist at, uh, at Peter Mac just passed the exams. And this study looked at uh, the PSMA series at Peter Mac from 2014 to 2020. So we actually did over 3,000 PSMA PET scans in that time, of which this was looking at patients that we were looking for RCC as a smaller cohort, of which there were 80 patients that were done for RCC. And of, of that, there were 61 that we were doing for the indication that we were probably thinking was the best indication, which is looking for recurrent metastatic disease or for screening for oligometastatic disease. Uh, so that cohort of sixty-one patients, we actually had matched forty patients that also had FDG PET. So it gave us a good comparison of not quite a standard, but a different type of PET tracer as well. Um, and interestingly, from a um, from the PSMA pet, PET perspective, it was more sensitive than CT, but eighty-eight percent sensitive than both CT and PET. Uh, and the SUV means uh, and maxes were much higher. So SUV max was fifteen versus FDG PET, uh, which is only eight. We actually classified it based on what the impact was because we wanted to see if it changed management and that was based on prior publications where we classified into high impact, medium impact, low impact. In this situation, we classified high impact as either changing the site of treatment, changing the modality, for example, from systemic therapy to radiation or surgery to to another modality, for example, Um, and and also the intent from either curative or palliative. And uh, it was roughly 50% of patients had a high impact scan based on the PSMA PET. So it was very useful
3: well wow. yeah if this was a prostate talk we'd be saying how does it comp- how did it compare to the bone scans <laughs> <laughs> and we don't so also- like
2: I think this is you know highly relevant right because i think in rcc uh, metastasis directed therapy is something that we've been doing for a long long time and implementing SBRT for oligometastatic disease or even metastatectomy for oligometastatic disease and then surveilling patients has actually been a standard of care um, and remains a standard of care in the modern era now. So I do think that there is uh, something to be said about detecting early disease onset with um, integration of uh, metastasis directed therapy.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. But uh, you still wonder, why, why a PSMA PET CT? Uh, that's what I always had wondered. And well done to you and your team for putting that together. So at least we have something to point towards, albeit retrospective and very selected and so on. Um, what's the reaction been to it? Are people thinking, okay, yeah, we, 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 need, to, we need to do some nice prospective work on this. Or, nah, you know, we should just stick with conventional imaging. That's how we normally uh, stage, stage uh, uh, low-volume renal cancer.
4: Yes, yeah, it's really hard to gauge, I guess, the international kind of practice because PSMA, as you know, is not uh, as readily available potentially as ubiquitously as we do have in Australia. Um, certainly locally, uh, I've noticed in other um, community uh, clinics or MDMs that we go to as well, there are people suggesting very commonly we use PSMA PET in the context of RCC. So I don't think it's necessarily PIMAC-centric. Uh, it's definitely disseminated into the Australian community. be interested to know what's happening in, in the U.S.,
2: yeah, I think for the US data I think we're just beginning to kind of roll out PSMA imaging more broadly for patients with, you know, prostate cancer, but just given how common prostate cancer is and actually kidney cancer is a top 10 malignancy in both men and women, we're seeing patients who are, you know, have prostate cancer who also have concurrent renal tumors and I think this is sort of beginning to unravel a series of questions about, well, is there a role for PSMA imaging, for detection, for metastasis, for surveillance, and potentially therapeutic intent down the road? I mean, we don't have that data as of yet, but I think it's just beginning to open up a big can of worms of questions around diagnostics and therapeutics.
0: Wow. Is that where we're going to get, do you think? Are we seriously going to be thinking about theranostics for this? Now, Raina, you've got some interest in studying the biology yeah. of psma uh, uh, fall h1 expression and renal cancer do you want to tell us a little bit about that
2: oh yeah so we've actually partnered with um, you know a commercial uh, database of patients with uh you know whole exome a whole transcriptome or um panel testing about 1700 patients with renal cell carcinoma who have been genomically profiled um, and looking at basically full h1 expression Um, across sites of metastases, across histology, and actually correlating uh, correlating expression with angiogenic signatures and also outcomes to therapy. So, um, uh, you know, submitted an uh, abstract for GU-ASCO kind of highlighting this full story. And really what we've demonstrated is that clear cell RCC tumors tend to have much higher expression compared to non-clear cells. So as, as we think about rolling out a diagnostic or even therapeutic, you know, I think really this seems to be specific to renal cell carcinoma. It also does seem that the sites of metastasis have higher expression than the primary renal tumor. So I think this gets a little bit at what Shanker was saying about using this modality for um, metastatic detection rather than necessarily like primary detection. And interestingly enough, it does seem that based on the site of MET, the expression is variable, so expression seems to be statistically significantly much lower in lymph nodes, while not numerically significantly higher in bones, but it does seem to be a little bit higher in bones, but it's not kind of a statistical significance when you compare it to the primary. You know, another thing that we looked at was sort of the angiogenic gene signatures, so there's been a lot of work done in kidney cancer looking at RNA-seq signatures uh, potentially being predictive of response to VEGF-targeted therapy or even IO therapy. This is data from the Emotion 150 and 151 data sets, looking at atezolizumab and bevacizumab in advanced RCC. And um, there was, um, in the 151 paper, looking at seven different clusters. And two clusters were really, um, you know, angiogenic high, and there was a correlation, um, you know, of full H1, increased full H1 expression in the um, angiogenic high signatures. And and in those signature scores, full H1 was not used as one of the genes that was determining, you know, high expression or, or low expression of those scores. I think the, you know, the last thing is like correlating with outcomes. And it did seem that patients who were on VEGF TKI based therapy and had high full H1 expression seemed to have, you know, better outcomes compared to patients who had low full H1 expression. So we're just beginning to sort of unravel the underlying biology around this, but it does open up the door for, you know, is there a role for a potential therapeutic here? And while we know that we're targeting the neovasculature, you know, a lot of the therapies in kidney cancer are in fact targeting the neovasculature with regards to VEGF inhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in RCC, you know, the tumors get um, necrotic, they're like become avascular, or, or that's the intent of the therapy, if you will. So, you know, I think it does open up the door. And I think with regards to radio ligand therapy in RCC, you know, we actually have a study of, radium-223 plus cabozantinib and RCC, looking at um, specifically patients who have bone metastases, is there an effect of radioligand therapy there? Um, While a lot of, you know, I think the historic teaching has been that these tumors tend to be more lytic on imaging, but in reality, actually, they have both increased osteoblastic and osteoplast um, activation. And then also there's gerontuximab, which is a CA9 targeting radioligand therapy that is being um, tested and RCC in very
1: early stages. Wow. That yeah. is so fascinating. And what a great <laughs> summary
2: of it too. You might definitely have to
0: rename PSMA yeah, if it does yeah. show utility. Yeah. So
1: it's interesting, isn't it? Cause I mean, for um, for the general audience out there, I mean, folate is, is folate hydrolase and it's an enzyme, isn't it, right? And, and it it's, it's in PSMA, <laughs> the molecule.
3: It, it is PSMA. So PSMA yeah. is folh H1. Right and uh, you know I have a Google Scholar alert on PSMA, so any new papers that have PSMA in it pop up on the <laughs> on the weekly Google summary. And even me, as a very PSMA avid clinician, struggles to keep up yeah. on the amount of literature coming out on PSMA at the moment. And it is really described in all malignancies and uh, mainly around neovasculature. but prostate's really the only one that has cell surface. Tumor receptor expression, so it's very uh-huh. different in prostate cancer than yeah, these it is other tumors. Gland. And you know, in, gland tumors, right? Well, it's even salivary gland tumors. Whether it's cell surface specific is is debatable. Interesting. Uh, uh, so, prostate is a bit of a standout, and the sort of SUV standardized uptake values we see on a PSMA PET in prostate cancer generally aren't seen in most other malignancies. So, we can see. SUVs of 100, 200, my record is 340. This is super intense uptake. You just don't see that in other tumours. Most tumours that have PSMA in neovasculature have really low uptake. PSMA is less than five. In fact, we've done a paper on incidental PSMA avid tumours found on PSMA PET scans and you find it in every tumour mm. from melanoma to you can name every tumour and you'll get low intensity uptake but that's really easily differentiable because it's got lower uptake. But renal is a bit of a standout because you do see pretty intense uptake in renal. You can get SUVs of 20 or 30 uh, in renal cell but it is important to remember that a PET scan is a dynamic functional scan and what you're seeing is uptake at a particular point in time. So you inject the tracer and you image at 60 minutes. So you are seeing receptor binding of the small molecule at 60 minutes, which is a very early time point. But for therapy, you need to know, does it stick there at 24 hours, at 48 hours? Because lutetium 177 has a seven-day half-life. So if it binds and you see it on a scan at 60 minutes it could disappear by four hours. You can't see that on a PET scan because the positron emitters have short half-lives. So you can image them within sort of one to two hours, but you can't image them out to 24 hours easily. You can if you use a long half-life tracer. So here is a problem because we do know that it washes washes out of neovasculature, whereas it sticks and is actually internalised when it's cell surface binding. So there are some fundamental differences here. And there's also some publication bias because, you know, Lutetium PSMA therapy evolved in Germany really off-trial, compassionate access treatment. So how many patients in Germany with metastatic renal cell carcinoma have had lutetium PSMA treatment? And the answer is, in the literature, zero. I've done a search for lutetium PSMA in the literature and you can't find a single case report. But if you travel to Germany and go into deep into the bellies <laughs> of the nuclear medicine departments... You'll see that they have treated patients right? with lutetium wow. PSMA, but they haven't published their results. <laughs> Why? Wow. Because um, I think anecdotal doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. When they did the pictures at twenty four hours, they didn't see any tumor uptake. It had all disappeared because it washes out. And then they felt a little bit silly having done it, so they didn't publish the results. So I think we do need some prospective data but there are some anecdotes that are not particularly exciting.
0: Maybe just using that particular radioligand therapy, do you think if you use something else different or is it going to be the same problem because it's not cell surface, it's neovastature? It could
3: be a fundamental problem of using a radioligand approach, but there are always ways to overcome this. So you could use a short half-life alpha emitter. Some alpha emitters have a... 60 minute half life, then you would probably get very high salivary gland uptake. So you would have some high off target effects, maybe very high kidney uptake. Uh, so there are some fundamental problems here. But it is worth studying. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see some prospective studies doing this properly. Uh, and it wouldn't be. It would be probably good if some of the people doing this and failing published their negative results, even if it's a single case study. This is a, a bias with the compassionate access type approach. Uh, you tend to rush out and publish the first lutetium PSMA therapy when you have a spectacular response and then if you have a spectacular failure, you just sort of bury it and stop doing it.
0: <laughs> mm, oh, well. Or mayb- maybe the gerontuximab uh, that yeah. you mentioned, the Zircon study, which we're running here as well. Uh, Raina, that may be a, a different approach, uh, the, the attacking uh, CA um, CA9 and all that. But it's interesting, isn't it? So I think, uh, wh- what's your take on it then, Shankar? Uh, forgetting about the theranostic stuff for a second, what about just the clinical utility of PSMA PET-CT? What, what, what does your, this European Urology Open Science paper tell us? Is, there, uh, is it just the opening the door to we should do a prospective study evaluating the role of this in the metastatic setting, for example? Um, or are you still using it uh, within routine clinical practice? I know you've got a prospective registry going. Yes, yeah,
4: so we do. So we just opened a, um, a prospective registry for uh, use of PSMA for RCC and that's something that is currently open at Peter Would It'd be nice to be able to open up at other centres um, in Australia. We're eyeing off a couple of Brisbane sites. Um, but yeah, I was just in clinic this morning and I ordered two PSMA pets for patients with RCC that I had. I was thinking about um, metachronous uh, recurrence and one with a recurrence in the uh, uh, renal bed. Uh, and it's really my standard reflex. If I'm thinking about metastasis therapy, I want to make sure that I don't have occult sites of other metastatic disease that would mean that, that local therapy would be futile. So I think it really does help me select the best patients for treatment.
3: Yeah, I think, I think of PET scanning a little bit like an extension of clinical examination. I mean, we can ask for prospective randomised data of PSMA and RCC, but I actually don't think that makes much sense. If you see two metastases and you're going to give saber to two sites because you believe based on imaging that there's two sites of disease. Well, you want the best imaging possible because if there is indeed 10 sites, what you are about to do based on CT, bone scan or MR, it makes no sense. I could ask the same question and say, show me the prospective data for CT. Show me the prospective data for MR. It doesn't exist. So I think the prospective studies need to be centred around the treatment, i.e., sabre does sabre work in this setting show me the randomized prospective data and then as you do those prospective studies of an intervention you ought to choose the most appropriate diagnostic and that's probably where psma pet fits in because it is a new let's say call it standard of care for at least clear cell renal cell carcinoma we know it's better than ct uh, bone scanning and then we shouldn't forget the other component of this publication which is the fdg uh i don't know would you like to Tell us about the role of FDG and when do you order a PSMA pet and when do you order an FDG pet? Or you just, or do you just say, hey, I'm at Peter Mack, I'll do both? <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's a good question. I think, um, you know, FDG, we, we have very specific funding indications that are um, specific to sultry pulmonary nodules that may be of use when we're indeterminate for FDG pet scans. So that's helpful. That's one criteria for selecting locally. But often the FDG pet avid um, areas can often a marker of de-differentiated disease and more aggressive biology. I don't think it's very helpful, potentially, FDG, for that indolent patient who has a long disease-free interval and a slowly growing um, metastasis, for example. I think that's probably better to be able to screen for occult disease using PSMA. But if someone's got rapidly progressing disease or um, some nasty-looking uh, uh, disease that may need some intervention in a short uh, post-haste, then I think that's probably a good role for FDG.
1: Did you get any indication, Shankar, from your data set, um, sort of a correlation between PSMA PET uptake and the histology? Because from what is saying, it's the clear cell cancers that really express foliage.
4: Yeah, so we did actually look, um, so this series had uh, the majority of clear cell, 89% had clear cell, but there was a smaller minority that didn't have clear cell. Uh, And interestingly, some of them, about half actually had uptake. So, uh, they were definitely lower intensity than the clear cell. Clear cell had a um, you know a, a average SUV max of fifteen, but the, just quickly check the interquartile range actually got up to twenty eight, so quite hot. Twenty five percent of patients had more than twenty eight SUV max. Uh, but the non-clear cell groups were lower than that, um, but st- still about half were uptake. So the classical kind of understanding is clear cells are the most um, uh, useful uh, kind of histology to be testing PSMA in the RCC setting, and the others may not have as much uptake, uh, and that's probably what we're seeing, but it's not completely useless.
0: So is it going to come full circle and he'll be finding incidental prostate cancers <laughs> on these renal cancer <laughs> scans? or Renew, what do you mean?
1: Maybe. That's how prostate cancer is going to be diagnosed in the future. Incidental, basically. <laughs> Rainer, um, so would you, you know, for high risk renal cancers, we don't really have any good evidence for adjuvant therapies. Um, so would you recommend looking for folate expression routinely in these patients so that we can then surveil them using PSMA PET scans?
2: You know, I don't think that we're there yet. I think the adjuvant role is, is de- the adjuvant setting is definitely evolving in RCC. We've recently seen it this past ESMO, uh, you know, three negative, negative uh, yeah. adjuvant peri- adju- perioper- or perioperative studies report out. This is on the heels of the Keynote 5.6.4 data getting presented last year at, at ASCO and, and that study demonstrating that pembrolizumab improved um, outcomes for patients. So I think we're still kind of scratching our heads a little bit in the adjuvant setting exactly what to do. You know, I think um, it's interesting as we're talking about treatments um, for these patients and actually building off of the podcast we previously taped about the role of SBRT, it just actually got me thinking about, you know, is beta emission enough to treat a RCC tumor where we were talking about, you know, SBRT was a novel modality to be able to actually introduce high enough radiation to actually cause an effect. So I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a radiation oncologist Shankar. I don't know if that's something that you've thought about regarding, you know, alpha emission versus beta emission and whether that's even enough, should the molecule even stick within the tumor microenvironment?
4: Yeah, it's a tough one. Michael, it might pass to you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We have to be careful that they pass to us. (laughs) No, I've got to be careful. Look, I think if it sticks, that's question one. And because the PSMA PET scans are deceptive, you kind of see high uptake. It looks not too different than a prostate. So you go, well, it works in prostate. Let's just do it in RCC. But if it doesn't stick, it's not going to work because there is no magic to our treatments. If it doesn't stick, your dosimetry will be very, very low. I sadly suspect. That's what we're going to see in this setting of neovasculature uptake. Uh, but someone does need to look at it because I might be wrong and we may be missing something big. Now, you could just test this with a long half-life positronometer. You could do a zirconium-89 PET at 24 hours and answer the question, similar to zirconium-89 you know, a long half-life tracer where you can actually see it at 24 hours. So you could do an imaging study rather than a therapy study to answer this question definitively. You could even use a spect Old-fashioned spect isotope like indium one one one, an image at twenty four hours, so it's really interesting. Uh, I think if you get high doses, beta will be fine. It's you know it's no magic. You can get super high doses uh, in prostate cancer. We can get doses of up to sort of hundred and eighty gray uh, with a beta emitter, extraordinary doses in the upper extreme. In the upper extreme, but Raina, I'm interested in other. Since you've got interest in cell surface markers and prognosis, what other cell surface markers are very good in? renal cell carcinoma i was just thinking in my head about ki67 as a proliferative marker is that something that's just better than looking at neovasculature? you want to know how quickly it's multiplying
2: yeah i mean I, i i think we don't really use ki67 too much i think in rcc like in other tumors but i think the other cell surface markers you know ca9 ca12 those tend to be more specific to rcc you know i think rcc is a little bit unique it's not really a epithelial tumor that largely expresses Epcam, you know, I think this has come up with, you know, CTC markers, for example, for CTC capture that you can't just use sort of like an Epcam-based strategy for capture. So I think, you know, CA9, CA12 um, are ones that can be looked at.
4: That's a good thing about uh, beam, isn't it, Michael? It's very sticky.
3: (laughs) It's very sticky. You know exactly what you're delivering where. You just... Need can't control the crossfire to those normal <laughs> tissues. We just need a
4: PET scan to tell us where to fire, right?
3: <laughs> you can, and you can combine those with the uh, PET linux. Mm, that's true. So that's and another role where we have been looking at PSMA PET in particular is uh, in a PET linux. Do you want to explain how that works, Schenker? Yeah. So <laughs>
4: <I> <laughs> it's a very interesting new technology, but there is a hybrid pet linear accelerator that's currently commercially available, uh, and it's an interesting piece of tech because it uses the uh, the tracer uh, to be able to help direct the area to, to treat so you actually truly see what you treat, uh, but it's external beam, so we get really sticky doses and very high stereotactic kind of doses.
3: What's the buzzword for that?
4: BGRT, Biolog- biology-guided radiotherapy.
1: Wow. Oh, there you go. That's Learned awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Shankar, you um, you guys wrote a, a really nice um, article in Nature Reviews Urology. You know, it's sort of a summary of, of the uses of PSMA beyond prostate cancer. And, you know, it's been studied in other things like urethelial as well, but pretty disappointing in that arena, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I think, um, and it goes back to what Michael was saying. It's there's certain cancers that do have high levels of uptake, which can make it potentially utile, uh, u- useful. Uh, in it has been disappointing. Some of the sense has to do with that um, uh, uh, renal uptake and then um, uh, excretion through the um, uh, urinary tract. Therefore, trying to look for lesions within the bladder is like yeah. almost impossible. Uh, and looking for um, metastatic lesions that just doesn't have enough uptake. So Mm. I think there are certain indications like kidney cancer, which are great. Um, In fact, lung cancers do take up PSMA as well. So we've often been confused. Once in a while we might see uh, a PSMA avid lung lesion in the context of a prostate cancer patient and then it ends up being a primary non-small cell lung cancer. So these kind of things do turn up uh, and um, I guess it's trying to separate the zebras from the horses.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Great two papers. We'll um post links out on So our, um,
4: what's the conclusion for the listeners? Um
0: out there if you're in a tumor board tomorrow and some <laughs> person three years after an aphrectomy uh has a small nodule and if you're in the tumor board you could shout up maybe you should have a PSMA Pet C T.
2: Yeah.
0: Or would they get shouted down? Raina, what would happen if you said Let's that go around in, the room. in San Diego? <laughs>
2: I don't know if I could ever get it covered. And uh, that's sort of the world that we live in here in the US. But I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, sometimes it's like no meat, no treat. Uh, You know, ultimately we may end up getting a biopsy, I think at the present time, Um, but it's very provocative.
0: Should be done in the study, I suppose. That's yeah. always a good answer. But anyway, nice work, Schenker. So you're studying. Oh, another question I forgot to ask you was, is it all? Is this all gallium-68 or some DCF-PYL? Because we tend to use both here quite a lot. Uh, or does
4: it matter? Uh, no, correct. It's, it's both, uh, both yeah. traces. And they. I, I don't think it makes a, a huge amount of difference. Yeah, yep, that's very good.
0: Right. All right. Very good. There that you go, really folks. I a lot today renal cancer episode with uh, Raina and Shanker and special guest Michael. I think, um, well, it's great to talk about renal cancer. We should do it yeah. a lot more, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, we should hearing a, a lot more from these two. We had a request to talk about stones. Please don't invite me. Because <laughs> <laughs> urologists love stones, you know. Renal
3: Stones like Michael Hoffman. I think stones. we need a radioactive trace that binds to calcium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of stickiness. <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway, it's just out there. I'm just saying, just kind of forewarning people that uh, a few GU cast regulars have said, you should do, do something on stones, You know, and, you know. Suggested by a stone surgeon, and she was very keen to come on, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. stones Excellent. could be coming soon GUcast now doing stones next thing BPH and testing for <laughs> Yeah. anyway alright that's great that's all we have time for Reina uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us again Nice, you. And uh, you guys are going to catch up soon at PCF Retreat. At next PCF week. Retreat. Yeah, next PCF week? Retreat. Yeah. Renew will be coming over to see you in uh, California. Thanks very much, um, Michael and Shankar, and congrats again on this nice paper. Really nice work. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for here. We'll be back very soon again. We might drop in the Irish one uh, if I get a chance to edit it this weekend or if I get my son to edit it with me this weekend, <laughs> and uh, that will be fun, I guarantee. Take care.